A star quarterback announces his return for next football season, and the Gamecocks pull some history once again in men's basketball, but this time they'll be on the right side of history. Locked on Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Line, and as always, thank you for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcast daily. What a historic night for South Carolina sports. I mean, the news that the Gamecocks got, of course, earlier this evening with Spencer Rattler. The Gamecocks go on the road in Rupp Arena and for just the third time ever in school history, defeat the Kentucky Wildcats on their own home court. After having one of the worst losses in program history take place just three days ago, we're going to dive into both of those topics in great detail right here on Locked On Gamecocks. So let's start off with... Probably the biggest news, at least from a national perspective, in Spencer Rattler, who, of course, with a very, very well done edited video, announced that he was officially returning for the 2023 season. Talked about this with Antoine Juice Wells and his subsequent announcement to come back to South Carolina that the fact that Juice Wells was announcing he was returning seemed to be a pretty good and strong indication that Spencer Rattler was going to be doing the exact same, and Spencer Rattler did just that just one night later than Antoine Wells. So, obviously, don't need to say a whole lot into what this means for South Carolina. Spencer Rattler coming back is going to make South Carolina a dark horse candidate in the SEC East. It gives South Carolina one of the top starting quarterbacks in the conference for the second straight year in a row. And yes, I understand Spencer Rattler still has had some consistency issues that reared their ugly head once again in the 2022 season. But the bottom line is Spencer Rattler clearly has the talent. And when he is on, there's probably no defense that can stop him. He showed this in the last two games of the regular season against Tennessee and Clemson and, of course, had his bright spots in multiple other games throughout this season. Some could probably argue that the offensive coordinator may have held him back a little bit in this aspect. Maybe didn't put him in all the best situations. South Carolina, of course, now has a new OC going into next year in Dow Loggins. And no matter what you think of the hire at this point, there's no question Dow Loggins has two great pieces coming back now to really gear this offense around. And Spencer Rattler, quarterback, and Antoine Juice Wells, who will be unequivocally his number one target at wide receiver this next season. In terms of what this does for South Carolina's offense, Spencer Rattler, obviously, you know, he can make all the throws off platform. He's great at going off script. He is somebody where when a defense plays him, you can never count the Gamecocks out. You can never say die on a certain play. Sometimes, of course, that doesn't work to Rattler's benefit, but there's other times where he makes great plays because of that magician-like ability that he showcases. With Spencer Rattler coming back, South Carolina is going to be in the discussion as one of the strongest contenders in the SEC East. You look at the other quarterback rooms, you look at the quarterback situations for the rest of the SEC East heading into next year, 
We're not going to talk about Missouri and Vanderbilt and those teams near the bottom. Let's talk about the teams that are going to be discussed the most. Georgia, obviously Stetson Bennett, who, yes, probably is going to be a college football Hall of Famer one day, will probably go down as the greatest quarterback in Georgia history because of what he just pulled off. He's now gone. They're going to be going to Carson Beck, who probably is very talented in his own right, but he's never really started a season and had to be the man behind center for the Bulldogs. Kentucky, they're bringing in Devin Leary. He's got really good accuracy as somebody that can throw it at all three levels of the field and uh, just did so much in his time up in Raleigh, North Carolina for the NC State Wolfpack. You got Tennessee, of course. Hennon Hooker is walking out the door and moving on to the NFL. Joe Milton steps on right in. Obviously, Joe Milton has not had his greatest moments in the past with the Volunteers, but stepped in for the Orange Bowl and had a solid performance against South Carolina's arch rivals, for that matter, in the Clemson Tigers. But Joe Milton, there's still a question of can he do that consistently game in and game out? In terms of stability at quarterback, South Carolina should be right up there, probably at the top of the division. At least neck and neck with Georgia. You could give respect to Georgia and say that their correct situation still might be the best just because of obviously how deep that roster is. But Spencer Rattler coming back makes South Carolina a tough out for every single team that they face. The game revolves so much around the quarterback position in football these days. And so to have someone of Spencer Rattler's caliber coming back for another season is so big for South Carolina. Plus, think about this. The transfer portal window has not closed yet. I believe the transfer portal window will be open all the way up until a week from Wednesday at on January 18th is what I was trying to say. So for South Carolina, Spencer Rattler coming back could mean that, hey, there could be a couple of transfer portal guys that maybe have entered in a little late that could end up deciding, you know something? I like the idea of coming down to South Carolina. Maybe I want to come to Columbia for a year and play with Spencer Rattler, play with Antoine Juice Wells. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. While it's great to have Juice Wells coming back, South Carolina is going to have to figure out who's going to be that second receiving option. If you want to be a good offense, you really need to have at least two major receiving threats. South Carolina's got one spot locked up with Antoine Juice Wells. But who's going to be number two? Is it going to be a guy that's going to step up that's been in this offense, like maybe an Amarian Brown, maybe to carry on Joyner? Is it going to be Trey Knox, the tight end, who obviously is not going to be your traditional inline tight end? You're going to see him flexed out into the slot. Maybe it's Trey Knox. But I feel like South Carolina honestly needs to get one more guy. Spencer Rattler announcing now is critical for them because this is going to give the coaching staff an entire week to try and make contact with the best transfer portal receivers out there as quickly as possible, maybe get them on campus for a visit this upcoming weekend, and have a chance to get someone at the last moment. Obviously, I know some fans are kind of concerned with the fact that, hey, the numbers are starting to get a little tight here. I believe now South Carolina sits at 84 total scholarship players, and you do have to be at 85. 85 is the limit that the NCAA sets on these college football programs. I have to admit myself, I couldn't tell you the exact date when they have to meet that roster limit. I'm not sure if it's after spring practice or what, but I'll just put it to you all this way. If you are worried about that, you're concerned about roster numbers, do not be. These coaching staffs, I promise you, they got staff members that work on this stuff for probably at least a third to half the day. These guys are not going to make any sort of mistakes in terms of bringing in too many players. The numbers are always going to work themselves out. So do not fret over that. Spencer Rattler coming back means that the sky's the limit for South Carolina in 2023. If Spencer Rattler were to have left, 
you probably could have taken maybe one or two potential wins off of the docket for South Carolina this next season. That's without looking at their 2023 schedule. With Rattler coming back, South Carolina has a chance to once again progress potentially in the win total column in 2023, which if they do that, at which point the media can no longer sit there and say South Carolina just keeps on overachieving because the crazy thing is the narrative, for some stupid reason, is still, well, South Carolina's overachieved over the first two years. Shane Beamer's done a great job. But it's still like people just don't take this team seriously. These kind of moves right here, Spencer Rattler coming back, Antoine Juice Wells coming back, on Joyner and Amari Brown coming back as super seniors, these kind of moves should show people in the media South Carolina is coming. They are not going to just fall off a cliff all of a sudden in 2023. They are here to stick around, and they are gearing up to battle Georgia in the future for the throne in the SEC Eastern Division, a throne that has pretty much belonged to one team over the last 10 years or so, and there's not really been a second-place team, a consistent challenger to the throne. South Carolina has the chance to do that. Spencer Rattler coming back could really set them up in terms of that aspect in the future. So, again, make no bones about it. It's pretty simple. Spencer Rattler coming back does so much for this program, does so much for this team, and really and truthfully now heightens the expectations that will be set on the Gamecocks this upcoming fall. Now, obviously, Spencer Rattler returning was not the only big thing that happened on Tuesday night. Lamont Paris and the men's basketball team, after being utterly embarrassed on their own home court just a few days ago against the Tennessee Volunteers, Bounced back in a big way against one of the most historic college basketball programs in history. And we're going to discuss how this game went down in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Where you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From college football in the NFL to college basketball and esports. BetOnline has got it all. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back to this live reaction show edition or this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in just one place, especially after what happened last night. I definitely think that you're going to want to do that. Plus, you'll hear from big names, experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The South Carolina Gamecocks, just three days ago, this past Saturday in the Clinton Life Arena, suffered a 43-point margin of defeat against the Tennessee Volunteers. It was their worst SEC loss in school history. It was their worst loss in the Colonial Life Arena since 2007, 15 years ago. Which, by the way, I did a little bit of quick research. At the time the last loss occurred, 
that was of that margin in that building, it was named the Colonial Center. It wasn't even called the Colonial Life Arena yet. That's how long it had been since South Carolina lost by such drastic margins. And after the Saturday debacle against Tennessee, I'm going to be honest, there was a lot of noise from some fans. Not obviously a lot of fans, and I'm not trying to single out any of y'all, of course, but a certain faction of fans, a loud minority as we could probably call it here, that were questioning, you know, hey, Lamont Paris, is he really the guy that can take South Carolina back to relevancy in college basketball, back to being a competitive program year in and year out in the SEC? Because besides being Clemson, what has he done? You know, that that was a question that was being thrown around on social media, on maybe some certain message boards by some fans. And I have to admit, when you lose a game like South Carolina did, while I don't think it's un, I don't think it's fair to throw that kind of question around Lamont Paris and you know him being the head coach. I can understand why certain fans would sit there and go, just how much work is going to need to be done here with this program? How many years is it going to take to build this thing? Well, based on what happened Tuesday night, it might not be as bad as some people originally thought, because South Carolina just bounced back from a 43-point loss against Tennessee, went to Rupp Arena, a place where heading into Tuesday night, they all-time were 2-28, and I believe, or 2-29. and Point being, two all-time wins in Rupp Arena. And South Carolina went in there and they won the game. Kentucky never led in the freaking basketball game. They never led. The Gamecocks, of course, did almost give it away at the end, but they held on and won 71 to 68. I cannot tell y'all how impressive this is. Let again, let's just put this in perspective one more time. South Carolina had just lost by 43 points to Tennessee this past Saturday. That is the kind of loss where when a team suffers that kind of defeat, it can wreck certain teams' seasons. There's some rosters that could potentially quit on a coach after a loss like that. There's a lot of seasons that would have just gone off the rails where it carried over into the next few games. And before you know it, that team has lost like maybe five plus games in a row. And it just snowballs the entire rest of the way. And South Carolina, despite all of that, and despite the outside noise, blocked it out, went back to the lab and went to work and went into Rupp Arena and beat the Kentucky Wildcats. And you know something? They were the better team. South Carolina was the better team on Tuesday night. South Carolina won this game because they played better. They outplayed the Kentucky Wildcats. Here's how they did it. First of all, Michi Johnson was on another planet in a great way on Tuesday night. I don't know what's gotten into him. The last couple games... You're seeing a different Michi Johnson. Against Tennessee, Michi Johnson was probably the only guy on offense that really did a whole lot of anything against the Volunteers. I believe he scored 19 points. He got the majority of those points by driving to the basket, which was something that, according to Lamont Paris after the game, he's been begging him to do all season. And Michi, as Gamecock fans know good and well, is a great athlete. I There's probably been very few point guards in the last 10, 12 years at South Carolina that have been as explosive as Michi Johnson is going off the dribble from the top of the key. And Michi Johnson, he put everything together on Tuesday night. 
He used his explosiveness to drive to the basket and get layups when he could. He used it to draw away defenders off ball and kick it out to open teammates for three-point shots. And he hit probably about three or four 30-plus foot three-point shots. He literally is like the Damian Lillard of college basketball right now. Until I see someone else who can hit threes just as much as he does from that kind of range, I, it's, that's not going to be hyperbole from me. I mean every single word of what I just said. Nobody else in college basketball can shoot threes like Michi Johnson. He was phenomenal on Tuesday night. And if Michi Johnson plays like that the rest of the season, this South Carolina basketball team is a completely different squad on the hardwood. And it's going to be much tougher to defeat the Gamecocks. Gigi Jackson, let's give the true freshman some credit. Obviously, not his best moments this past Saturday. Scored zero points, missed all eight shots, took from the floor. There were some issues, apparently, with Lamont Paris. He didn't like his body language. He got benched to start the second half. He then apparently uh, wasn't there for the alma mater after the game, which I'm sure, obviously, would have made a lot of fans upset, understandably so, from that side of things. And, uh, you know, there, I did a show on Monday about how Gigi Jackson, his response to the Tennessee game was going to say a lot about him, first of all, as a player, about how quickly he can mature, obviously, as a person, and how the rest of the season could go for him. I believe that he scored 16-plus points tonight. He had some really big shots. He made really smart decisions. And he also has seemingly embraced now driving to the basket more, which, again, was something that Lamont Paris, it seems to be a broken record here, has been asking him to do. He wants him to give defenses different looks so that they're not always just sitting there and assuming, well, I don't have to worry about being up too close to him because he's just going to try to do a step-back fadeaway shot. Gigi Jackson didn't show that against Kentucky on Tuesday night. He had a couple drives. He had some really sweet drives, and he also drew multiple fouls from the Wildcats. Gigi Jackson responded in a great way on Tuesday night. That's a great sign for South Carolina to see the true freshman shake off what happened this past Saturday and bounce back the way he did. Hayden Brown, give him some credit. Very aggressive early on this game. In my opinion, his effort will probably go a little bit unnoticed compared to Johnson and Jackson, but he set the tone early in the game, taking it to the rack multiple times, making some buckets, a couple nice dish-offs to Josh Gray, who, by the way, also played extremely well. Him and Benjamin Bozeman's for Donk. Give those guys credit. Foul trouble that they've dealt with all season. Haven't always had their best moments, have had issues with consistency. They went toe-to-toe with Oscar Shibway for 40 minutes. Oscar Shibway, no matter what you say about Kentucky right now, he's one of the best big men of all college basketball, and it's hard to stop him. But South Carolina slowed him down. They fended him off enough at the end to win. And South Carolina, just collectively as a team, they didn't throw in the towel. They did not throw in the towel. And again, it sounds like a cliche, but that means so much as to where this team is heading. This game proved Lamont Paris is the man for this job. The Clemson game was obviously a very nice win. But Gamecock fans, we can all say this with 100% certainty. Winning against Clemson, even though they're, the, they're South Carolina's arch rivals, it's not the same as getting a win against Kentucky in college basketball. It's not. Especially when you consider the fact that you're trying to defeat Kentucky in Rupp Arena. And the Gamecocks managed to do it. This is the kind of win that will catch the attention of recruits as well. You, I, I promise you, Cam Scott, Kyle Green out of Atlanta, some other guys as well from the next couple of recruiting cycles, some local talent, in-state talent, they're going to see this kind of game and they're going to say, oh, South Carolina is trending in the right direction. Lamont Paris has something going over there. I want to be a part of that. They're going to get that from this kind of win. 
Yes, Kentucky might be in the midst of a down year, as the national analysts will probably say. And again, they'll talk about that more. But that doesn't matter if you're a South Carolina fan. What matters is you won this game. You're back to 500, and now you've got even more stuff to put on paper for why this team can improve instead of regress as this season continues throughout the next couple of months. It doesn't mean that South Carolina is probably going to win 15-plus games, but it means this team's heading in the right direction. It means that this is a process. As Lamont Paris has said over and over again, he's going to prioritize growth with this team. He's not going to try to skip steps just to try to win games right now. Some people might have a problem with that. And obviously, not all coaches coach like that. But with Lamont Paris, I think at this point, he's at least done enough this season to prove to y'all that you just got to trust him. You got to trust what his vision is. You got to trust his process. There's still going to be some nights that you're going to sit there and you're going to shake your heads and go, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I could call that basketball. There will probably be some nights where you're still going to say that. But you know something? If that means you get wins like you did against Kentucky on Tuesday night, I think South Carolina fans will be completely fine with that. So big win for Lamont Paris in this program. There's no getting around that. Signature win and one that can really give you a ton of momentum for not just this season, but beyond this season as well. All right. I do want to take any of y'all's questions that y'all may have for me here. Honestly, a 10-2 season seems way more real than before. Not to jinx it, of course. Sir Sam's, uh, it could definitely happen. Obviously, with Spencer Rattler coming back, you cannot discount the possibility of South Carolina winning 10 games. And they've proven now they've gotten some monkeys off their back. They're not going to be a team that's scared of certain programs heading into 2023. Really, truthfully, the one monkey on their back still is Missouri. you got to knock off Missouri. Take care of business against the lower teams in the division and start consistently beating Florida and Tennessee and then prepare to challenge Georgia in, a, in the next couple of years. That's what the plan should be for South Carolina. Is it possible we can be another program killer with Kentucky? It very well could... Um, it could kickstart it. I, I can I can say that for sure. We have a solid month of wrecking teams hopes in USC sports. No question. You talk about Tennessee and Clemson wrecking their college football playoff hopes um, back in football season, back this past November. And then with men's basketball, you talk about Kentucky. Women's basketball, you can't really say they wreck anyone's hopes because, I mean, Don Staley's team's the cream of the crop of their sport. Baseball team, I guess they're now up next. They got to win a couple of big series now. Uh the pressure's on their side now because of what these other teams have accomplished. Steven, in your opinion, what are the biggest swing games on the football schedule next year? How about this? We'll play the game of just naming opponents. Um, I know that South Carolina plays North Carolina in week one. So I'm going to go ahead and say it right now, I think South Carolina wins that game as of this current moment. Yes, Drake May is a good quarterback, but North Carolina's defense stinks, quite honestly. They just lost Joshua Downs, their star wide receiver, and Phil Longo's gone. And Mac Brown, I have to imagine, is going to be out the door in a year or two. So, North Carolina, uh, that's going to be a win. In terms of swing games, I think Tennessee is a big one because that is before South Carolina's bye week. I do know that. And it's after a game against Mississippi State. And before Mississippi State is Georgia. If South Carolina wants to have a dream season, let's just talk dream season, hypothetical here. If they want that, I think they have to find a way to beat either Georgia or Tennessee on the road. And let's be honest. Right now, they probably couldn't beat Georgia. Even with as much talent as they're starting to rack up on the roster, I think South Carolina's still a year or two away from that possibility. So, 
Tennessee, I do think, is very doable. And again, listen, you know the media is going to already say Tennessee is going to win that game. They're going to act like last year was just an outlier, and it wasn't even, you know, it's not going to happen again, which I will admit, 63-38. to 38, South Carolina fans might not, you know, expect that kind of outcome once again. But I think it would it would not be far-fetched to say South Carolina can beat the Volunteers again. Let's see here. Missouri and Texas A&M are two big ones. South Carolina plays Florida, I believe, after the bye week. I do think South Carolina, as of this moment, can get Florida back this year. Missouri is going to be an interesting one because the question is going to be, you know, does South Carolina come in a little bit overly emotional after trying to obviously get revenge on the Gators for what happened in 2022? And do they let the losing streak sort of sit on their heads, sit on their minds, wear down on them? I don't think that that's going to happen. I think this team is starting to get to a point where those kind of issues aren't going to show up very much. But granted, this is going to be a younger team in 2023 compared to 2022. So you do have to worry about that. Texas A&M after the Missouri game, that obviously is going to be a big game because it's on the road. It's back-to-back road games. And again, when my opinion is going to be two close games against Florida and Missouri, that Texas A&M game could say a lot about the endurance of the team as a whole. Kentucky is happening before Clemson. That is going to be a very interesting game. I think that's going to be close. Kentucky, we know, plays physical. They've got some good skill players offensively. Their defense is always stout. Even though they might not necessarily have, quote-unquote, game wreckers all over the place, their defense plays sound, fundamental football. And that's happening before the Clemson game. I think you'll learn a lot about this team specifically with the Missouri game, with the Kentucky game, and with Tennessee. If those are the three games, I think you'll learn a lot about this football team in that regard. Jeff Coat and uh, Strawn are better than Birch and Edmund, in my opinion. I'm not going to disrespect Birch and Edmund, Craig. I get what you're saying, Jeff. And don't be wrong. If Jeff Coat does join South Carolina, which obviously, if I had to put money on it right now, I'd probably say they do, um, or that he does. Birch and Edmund, I mean, they brought good things to the table. Birch was a solid athlete, a great athlete at defensive end. Really good pass rusher, gave a ton of effort. Yes, his rush defense was questionable on multiple occasions. He didn't always play down blocks and option runs very well. But he gave you a ton in pass rush, even though the stats don't completely back that up. I think he had a much bigger impact than some people give him credit for. Edmund was a good, smart football player. He, in my opinion, was sort of the Shane Beamer version of DJ Wonham, a guy that might not, you know, just completely wow you with his athletic skills. Not saying, of course, he isn't athletic, but more so, he really, he beats guys with the mental acumen that he possesses when it comes to the game of football. So I think both those guys brought something, but Jeff Cohn and Strahan would both definitely, I think, help. I would be interested to see how Strahan bounces back from his ACL tear. I do worry about that considering the position he plays. Brent, I think we take down Clemson and Georgia next year. 1984, Black Magic in 2023. Can you call it Black Magic, though, if you expect it? I, and I'm not trying to say that to be a smart out here. I, I, I really mean that because I think 1984 is called Black Magic because no one thought South Carolina was going to do what they did that year. Uh, Strahan is much more twitchy. Would definitely agree. I do think he's very twitchy. I think he's got good pass rush moves in his arsenal with his hand movement, his arm movement. But again... You're coming off an ACL tear. Some guys bounce back from that stuff remarkably quick. And other guys, it takes them a lot of the season, like halfway to three-quarters of the way through the year for them to finally feel like that they are back to themselves. I worry about that with Jordan Stride. I really do. I, I'm going to say this right now. Some of y'all might disagree with this, but I'll leave you with this thought. 
I think that there's a chance Desmond Umeo-Zulu can come in and start over Jordan Stroud. I think there's a chance. I'm not saying it's going to happen, and I know Jordan Stroud's got way more experience than, obviously, Desmond does. I think Desmond Umeo-Zulu, though, is a special, special pass rusher. I think he's got the potential to be a first-team All-SEC type guy at South Carolina. I truly believe that. He is advanced for his age in terms of how he plays defensive end, how he plays that edge position. So, going to be interesting to see what happens at the defensive end edge spot uh, for certain the rest of this year. Brent, I was at every game, special year, all heart, more so than talent. You could just feel it in the air, cardiac kids. Yeah, cardiac Gamecocks for sure. Yeah, um, my dad, he, he tells me a lot of great memories about that season uh, when talking about the 1984 Black Magic year. So, hey, it, look, if that means that South Carolina gets 10 wins, I think you can call it whatever you want, honestly, in 2023. I think Gamecock fans would be more than thrilled with that. But with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. Thank y'all so much for tuning in once again. Um, really hope that y'all enjoyed today's show as always. What are your thoughts on Spencer Rattler coming back? What are your thoughts on South Carolina's historic win over the Kentucky Wildcats at Rupp Arena? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube. Or you can shoot me a direct message at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter. And I'll try to... Respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And once again, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. I hope y'all have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.